You're listening to The Thrive Podcast, where every week we dive into a practical, tactical tip to bring you from a life of simply surviving to thriving. It's personal development for the everyday girl who is done with coasting through her days, done with feeling like she's missing out on the deeper meaning of her own life, and done with mediocrity once and for all. Because it's not enough to simply survive, you deserve to thrive. Welcome back to Thrive. In today's episode, I'm having a conversation with Rachel Autry, fellow social media influencer and podcaster from Birmingham, Alabama. Rachel's podcast, Behind the Bliss, creates, oh yeah, me too, moments for women as guests share stories of their realities of life behind the bliss. Since we all know, not everything is as it seems on Instagram all of the time. She's also an Air Force wife to her husband who serves as a pilot. So be sure to stay tuned through the episode. Drop us your thoughts on social media. And without further ado, welcome, Rachel. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. This is such an honor. Podcasts, podcasts for being on podcasts. I know, right? I'm so (laughs) stoked to have you here on Thrive today. We first met, what, a few weeks ago when I was a guest on her podcast, Behind the Bliss, and we had such a good, deep life chat about the balancing act in life and how to give yourself grace. So, Rachel, why don't you just kick us right off telling everyone all about you? What's your story? You did a phenomenal job (laughs) introducing me in the beginning. Um, My name is Rachel. I love, like Erica said, love being online and sharing tips and tricks and truth with girls. My favorite thing to call myself is actually the big sis. I'm like, I want to be the sister. Yeah. It's like, hey, try this eyebrow gel to like, hey, here's your self-worth. You know, everything in between. Um, Really, my heart is just to share shortcuts to things that don't really matter in life so that we have more margin to focus on things that do. So I am online often. Um, and that's what I love to call my job, but in family life, I'm a wife. I'm a dog mom to my dog, Remy, who really is the star of the show. Let's be honest. So cute. Um, yeah, he's so fun and literally my best friend right now. And my <laughs> husband is actually gone at training right now. So We've just been in a lot of in-betweens and I'm learning a ton in the season alone. So that's currently who Rachel is, but check back next week. She'll probably feel something different. I mean, I'm always, I feel, I feel like I'm always, you know, having to go to and fro. That's just life, right? Totally. Totally. So you're in a military family, which I want to talk about yes. because your husband's a pilot in the air force. So what is an average day like for you? And what's an average day like for him? Like, is he on active duty? Do you get to spend a lot of time together? Because I know that lifestyle I'm sure is not without its challenges. And I'd love to hear how you still make time to thrive together in marriage when you might not always be physically together or when there's this huge stressor present, like being in service. Right. So, okay, Erica, here's the funny part. A lot of people don't know this, but when Thomas, Thomas and I are high school sweethearts, I claim that it's not a hundred percent true because we actually broke up for two years in between the first time. And then now obviously we're married, but we broke up for about two years. And the reason that I broke up with him is because I did not want to be a military wife. Isn't that hilarious? (laughs) And so now here I am and I'm like, man, this is funny. So it's, it's, really hilarious thinking back because I had my own view of what military life would be and everyone's military 
journey and process looks completely different. Um, he is not active duty. He actually is a private pilot just for fun as a hobby and recently felt called to continue in the military. He's been in for 10 years with the Air National Guard and decided to stay in, except just go through some extra training to become a pilot, not only as a civilian, but as a serviceman as well in the Air Force. Um, there, That's where he is now. He is taking his first step, getting to this big dream. And it's nuts and crazy and all the things. And life looks so crazy. And that's why I say check back next week because every time someone's like, what does a typical day look like? I'm like, well, today I'm in my PJs and I'm chatting with Erica and then we'll just do some random work at home. And other days, Thomas and I are on fun trips and we'll hop in this little small plane and fly around. So it's funny. I don't know a typical day. I don't know the Autrys have a typical day, but right now Thomas will come back home on May 22nd, which is a few days away. It's 15 days if anyone's counting. And <laughs> he'll he'll come back to quote unquote normal life and just serve out at base. And he'll go there. I mean, I, to be honest, I don't even have all the details quite yet. I think that I just have to take this thing day by day. But yeah, really. all great questions. Um, is it stressful have- for you being apart or like what is the most yeah. stressful thing for you in the, in this lifestyle, especially since you didn't think you wanted to be yeah. a military wife going into this? Yeah. And I had a, yeah, I had a weird idea of what this was going to be, which was like a, he was going to be deployed all the time and he hasn't been deployed yet. We've been married four years, obviously with this transition being coming a pilot, there is way more opportunity. Um, and he probably will be deployed. Actually, we know hundred percent he will be, it's just when. Um, and so that I feel like is the main stressor of all the things that are to come that I don't have answers to. And so I've learned a lot about myself in this process of, well, I really like cling to control and at least knowing the outcome or feeling like I have, and this is a fake feeling, it's not true, but feeling like I have a say so in the outcome, which we hear all the time, like on Pinterest, like you make your dreams happen. And I'm like, listen, like if my life story is anything, it is to tell you that like, I have a plan, but the Lord will shake it out the best way I know how. And I'm grateful for it because if my life looked today, like I thought it should have five years ago, I would not be the same Rachel. And I love the Rachel I am today. So with all that being said, main stressor, not knowing what next week looks like. I, I mean, you just have to be fluid and adaptable. And it's taught me a lot about that. Also, having a FaceTime marriage is no fun. It's for the birds. We, like, every night we FaceTime, and I'm like, we've run out of things to talk about. I just want you to be home and cook with you. It's just the small things I feel like I took for granted. So I'm so excited for May 22nd. Oh, my gosh. I can't even imagine. What do you think has been the most important truth to hold on to throughout your marriage thus far? Because especially since you said it's a FaceTime marriage mm-hmm. right now, you're, you're yeah. talking so much. You probably know each other better than couples who are physically together who don't talk as much. Is there anything you maybe wish you had known before getting married too? Or just like, what are you learning through all of that? Great question. I love talking about this because we all have an idea of what marriage should be, right? We have Hollywood to thank for that and Instagram now. Oh gosh. Like I I see, oh yeah. People's Instagram marriage. And then I'm like, I want to see behind closed doors. Like show me your arguments, please. You know? And I'm like, that's not real. And so I just want to like shout from the rooftops that marriage is not going to satisfy you. Um, 
and I don't, and that might be cringy. And people listening are like, oh my gosh, you just said it. I just said it. Like, no, I think you need to say it again. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, to put the pressure on my husband to satisfy my emotional, my physical, my financial, my spiritual needs puts him in a failing position from square one because he's not, he can't, there's no way. And to expect that from him, like I would not want the pressure returned if he expected me to complete him. Like we hear and all of the like, you know, Rapunzel and like Cinderella romance stories like, oh, he completes me. I'm like, no, he doesn't. He doesn't completely, completely. Because if he did complete you, then what's the point of Jesus? Like, what's the point of having a savior? What's the point of having someone stand in the gap for our shortcomings? Because we all have them. So I would just want to go back to Rachel before she was married and be like, he is going to fail you and you are going to fail him. It might be the way that you guys speak to each other. And it might be something really traumatic and shocking at some point in your marriage. And at the end of it, I want you to like, look at that failure and thank God for it because it reminded you of the truth that the Lord is the only one who can satisfy that God-sized hole in your heart. So if you put your husband in that, he's going to look nothing but ill-equipped and that's just not fair for anybody. That is so good and so true. That's why I said you got to say that again because so many people I think completely forget or miss that and have and go into desiring a life partner or a marriage with such Mm -hmm. false expectations because of, I mean, in this age, especially you and I know, well, since this is our jobs, (laughs) such fake or not necessarily fake. It's just, it's the highlight reel of people's Yes. And like you just said, people aren't broadcasting their fights on Instagram. They're not going, right. oh, wait, we're having a heated argument. Let me hop on my stories and record yeah. this for the world. Like, yeah. So we just see the happy times and the good times. And then we look and go, wow, do you guys ever fight? Or wow, what? You have such a cute marriage. And it's like. Yeah. I'm like, show me the fight y'all had on the way to the date night you're posting about. Because I know you had one. You know, I'm like, because we have them too. Totally. Right. And I, I love that you just said that. It's such necessary perspective that it reshifts your focus on the Lord and why you need, you need that higher power. It's like, the, it's like, it, yeah. it's a beautiful reminder of how much you need that. And I, it literally just made me yeah. think of some of my biggest arguments with Jamie, for example, where I would be just like so upset and just praying in those mm-hmm. moments. To, and I'm like, you know what? This just brought me closer to Jesus. So it might yes. suck with your partner in the time, but at the end of the day, it's bringing you closer to the Lord. And for those of us who are Christians, you know, like we think that that, that's our whole purpose for being here anyway. And that's our whole, yeah. And in return, it creates more intimacy between you and your husband. When you can have that moment of me turning to Thomas and being like, I am sorry. I'm sorry for like convincing myself for a short moment that you were going to fix the problem that I had in my heart. Like I come home, I get angry at him because he didn't make me feel worthy. That's a Rachel problem, not a Thomas problem. Because mm. the reason I don't feel worthy is not something he can fix. That's something only God can fix. And so I love to also tell my friends, like, it is not a 50%, 50% that equals 100. Because there are days like today that I'm like, I think I can only give 18% right now. Like I'm not feeling my best self. So will you make up that other that we're going to lack? And then he might not be having a great day too. So what do you do with that leftover 40% that's not being covered? That's where like when Jesus fills all the holes with his grace and we can accept that. But I think that's why I love saying like, no, 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 you give 100% and he gives 100% and then there's overflow. 
and then you're able to love people well through your relationship. And so I just, I just think that, man, there's a lot to marriage I've learned, especially with him being gone, which is funny, right? Like I've learned more about it with him being gone and it's been beautiful because when he's stripped away and I don't have him to make dinner with, I don't have him, gosh, to even argue with and the good and bad and in between, I'm like, who is Rachel? Like at the end of the day, um, cause right now I don't really feel, although I am for sure Thomas's wife, but I don't, I don't have the opportunity to do the normal everyday things as Thomas's wife. So I've had to ask myself some hard questions and those are some things I've been reflecting on that I would want people to take heart. Totally. That was always my biggest piece of advice to single girlfriends too, was exactly what you just said. You have to be two holes and two 100 percent. That's your best recipe for success in going into yeah. something like a life partnership. And if you're looking for someone to complete you, you're not ready to be in a life partnership with someone because you need to feel no. whole and be complete yourself or at least yeah. complete at a point where obviously we all will continue growing and evolving and everything. Right. But if you have this gaping hole somewhere that you know needs to be filled, it's not going to be filled by someone on this earth who is, <laughs> is at fault. He's a sinner fault. too. Yep. Yeah. Like yeah. that's just not going to work. Sis. So I love that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, okay. This is, I'm sure something that's obviously deeply personal and a huge struggle, but you've been so beautifully and vulnerable, beautifully open and vulnerable, vulnerable through this whole thing on social media, sharing about your infertility journey, which I'm sure is also not not helped by the fact that Thomas is away. I know. Super infertile now. I'm like, right, I don't like, know. <laughs> yeah. not that. Yes. Um, but I know that that's something that so many women can relate to and are just mm-hmm. looking and hoping and praying for something from God to help start a family earthside. What yeah. has been the most helpful thing for you in your ongoing journey? And maybe do you have any advice for girls listening who might have a sister or a best friend or someone else they know who is also currently battling infertility as to how they can really be the most supportive in this time because Mm -hmm. obviously it ain't easy and you have no idea how long this road will be. Yeah. What's, I mean, I, it's just like weird to even have this conversation with you because I'm like, I, are we really talking about me? Struggling with infertility. Is this really my life? You know, like you have that moment where you're like, I hear about it. I see about it. I have conversations about Cindy down the street that's dealing with it, but I never would have imagined myself in this position. And, um, it's humbling. It reminds me like this life is not my own. And there's a lot that I am going to be sharpened through Would I have asked for this. Absolutely not have Thomas and I grown closer from it. Totally. And so that's where I'm like, okay, um, I really want to be a mom and that's not up to me at the moment. And it's hard to release that control. We were talking about in the beginning of being like, all right, okay. If life has taught me anything recently from coronavirus to infertility, to my husband being gone to all the things I'm like, it ain't up to Rachel. It's just not. (laughs) So I would say to the girl that might be finding herself in a similar position, what's helped me and what Thomas and I have done, we actually got it from the show, This Is Us. I don't know if you oh, watched it. I love that show. Love it. Well, Randall plays it with his wife and he deals with anxiety. And I wouldn't say anxiety has a huge grip on my life, but I will say that I have those moments just like any other human where I get overcome with outcome. And I'm like, I can't, like, I, I don't know what to do. I'm very overwhelmed. I wish I had a more say-so in this happening. And so here comes infertility and, um, 
we find ourselves in a doctor's office and he's saying the I word. And I'm like, what? No, no. Like I've already paid my life dues. You know, like I've already been through hard things. Like this should, this should be easy for me. And so we played this game before I, I went in for a surgery just to get a diagnosis. And I was just nervous. I was like, what if we come out of surgery and there's no answer? What if this is unexplained? Or what if I say I'm even missing my reproductive system? Like what if something happened? We just don't know. And he's like, Rachel, what is the worst case scenario? And we played the game. I'm like, okay, worst case scenario is I can't have children of my own. I can't provide you a biological family. Like that feels like a failure to me. And he's like, okay, and we'll be fine. There's options. We can adopt, we can foster, we can give a home to a child who doesn't have one. Like we can bring in children with special needs who just need that extra love and care and assistance or whatever it looks like because we have a heart for them. He's like, it's fine. Like, is it ideal? Maybe not. Is it what we would have chosen? No, but there's a lot of other things we wouldn't have chosen for our life and we're okay today. And so it, it helped me as weird and counterintuitive as it sounds, but to play the worst case scenario game really helped where I was like, okay, even if worst case scenario happens, God is still good and he still wants the best for me and he will make the best of it all. And it's Romans eight twenty eight. Like he, if it's not good, it's not done. So I just basically had to throw my hands up, be like, all right, I am just don't want, I don't want to say so anymore. I just want God to turn this water into wine and make it awesome. And so I, I just, it helped. I know it sounds super, super crazy. And some people are like, that's twisted, but it really helped. Um, and for the friend that might have a, a sis that's walking through it, I would say, um, it was really discouraging for me when I would tell people and they would respond with, oh, my neighbor did too. And now she has three kids and has a wonderful life. I'm like, I love that for her. Um, but I'm sitting in this weird in-between where I don't want to get my hopes up, but at the same time, I don't want to grieve something that's not happened yet. Cause that's just emotional energy I'm wasting. So I'm having to fight to keep myself in this neutral space. And when someone tells me an amazing story and testimony, of course, like I applaud her and I applaud God for showing up in her life like that. But I am struggling with the fact that that might not be my life. Um, and so I would say, instead of sharing a, Hey, this happened to my friend's story, sit with that person where they are and be like, I know this is hard. This isn't what you would have chosen. Right. And let her say no. And just sit there and be like, how can I help? How can I serve you? Do you want me to pray for you? Do you want me to like, love on you? Do you want me to text you? Do you not want me to like, just give her the say so instead of hopping in and trying to fix it. Cause at that point, that's something that's not very fixable. And, um, there's no one, that's the odd thing about infertility too, is you don't have anyone to blame. And for me, it's easy for me to get to a place of forgiveness when I find who I have to, when I identify who there is to forgive. But in those situations with infertility, they're like, it's, it's no one's fault. So it's like, you don't have, <laughs> you don't have any bitterness. I mean, like you're, you're bitter, but you don't know who or what at. And so it's just like, man, it's just a lot. And it's weird. It's different than death. It's different than betrayal. It's different than any other type of grief. It's just a different monster. Um, so if you're a friend, just remember that, like it's, unless you are going through it or have gone through it, you might feel awkward for words. And in those moments, just ask how you can serve.
That's so smart. And it's, it's so hard too, because it's like, you know, people have the best of intentions when they're yes. trying to share their stories because they don't know what totally. to say and they're trying to just be encouraging, but it's mm-hmm. so hard. And that's why I wanted to ask you so that you can say right out to people from someone going through it, what actually helps because it's like yeah. it can do more harm than good emotionally in the moment, even though that's not <laughs> our ultimate intention. Yes. So that's just so important. How has it tested your faith too? Because I know that that's something yeah. We talked about this when I was on your podcast with our, our NICU journey. It was like, if anything, yeah. when there's no one to blame, I think sometimes the easiest thing to do is to shift your blame to God because you end up in this yeah. question of why me? Why is this happening? What am I supposed to be learning? And why is this happening to me? And what, like, why, why, why? So it's like, yeah. what has helped you through all of this? keep your faith strong and keep believing that God is still good when you're in this period of unknowns where there is no final outcome that's that you know of right now, what, what works for you? Yeah, that I love that too, just because it gives me an opportunity to say like, I did not handle it well in the beginning. And, um, I mean, like I said, we never would have considered ourselves in this place. And I think a lot of it was just because we were playing mind games with ourselves. I'll say it for me. I was playing a mind game with myself. I have this equation in my head that because I faced X, Y, and Z when I was little, that I lost my dad in high school, that I like have been through other tragedies, God and I are even, right? Like, okay, I've paid my life dues. (laughs) let me go, you know, like, let let me have motherhood, just let me have it. And so I had that honest conversation with God where I was like, honestly, that's not cool. I deserve to have this normal. I deserve to be able to get pregnant when I want to. I deserve blah, 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 blah. And then in those moments, I realized like, honestly, I don't. And that's really weird to say and really hard even to explain like why I don't, but I, I just don't because there have been moments that I haven't even given God credit for, for showing up for me. Cause I didn't even realize it. So whether it's provision that we are self-employed and are living comfortably, or it's provision that my husband is safe and in a very risk environment, or that I have beautiful memories of my dad before he passed. Like all these things I have to sit and realize like, okay, heart of gratitude. Because if I focus on the one thing that's really upsetting me and forget about the millions that God has come through with, that's not fair. That's not fair. Um, and so it really did test my faith because I was like, <laughs> also I have some people in my life that got pregnant when they didn't want to get pregnant. So you have to play this like you have to honestly lay it down and be like, this is not an equation. A and B will not yield C as most people and most media and the world would want to convince you. And I'm just going to shoot you straight that Satan would want to convince you. Like I had his voice in my ear the whole time. Like Rachel, this isn't working out. You know, like just how about you just back away? You know, how about you just seclude yourself? How about you just be angry? It's okay. It's okay. And I'm like, no, 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 it's not. No, it's not. Because in the moments that I step away and seclude myself or um, isolate myself and choose to not be honest with the Lord, with my feelings, my situation doesn't go away. (laughs) It doesn't mean it's going to get better because I just decide to like drop God in the middle, middle of it and be like, you're not working out. Let me try something different. My situation won't change. So like, if anything, I'm like, okay, I just need to lean in to buckle up, to do my work, to show up, to be honest, because that will do 
if he was here right in front of me and wasn't this relationship from not like a, a standard earthly relationship. So sounds weird. It's really hard to explain, but I guess my best way to explain it, I actually heard this analogy and it was so beautiful um, about a year and a half ago. Um, and I forgot who said it, but it was at a really neat service at our church. Someone said, um, you know, like weight, weight lifters, they'll have the weight on their shoulders squatting. And when someone steps behind them, they're called a spotter, right? And they don't do anything. They don't help them lift the weight. They just stand behind them, hold their hands right beside them just in case something happens. And the person is able to lift the weight because they have a sense of security. Someone's got their back. The moment the spotter steps away, psychologically in your brain, you go, oh gosh, like it's just me. So you get a little nervous and you go a little antsy and a lot of times you don't perform as well. So, but when the spotter comes right back, you're able to perform well again. And it's not because the weight changed. The weight's the same. Your situation in life is the exact same as it was before. You just have a spotter and it's the safety and it's the idea of provision that like, if I fall, he will catch me. If I fall, he's got the weight. He won't let it fall on me. So I don't know. It's one of those, like, why would I choose to not have a spotter when I have an option to have him? Um, but it took a lot to get there, obviously. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the best way I know how to explain it. And that applies to any situation, not just infertility. Totally. Because we had it on the flip side in the NICU. And obviously infertility yeah. wasn't our struggle because we were in the NICU with the baby, but like, yeah. it was the same sort of thing where you're dealing with just this ongoing hardship going, God, like, what? come on. Like, why, why is this happening? Where's the good here? Mm-hmm. So I love what you said though, too. And I can relate to this so much myself where if you just have an honest conversation with God, that's, that's kind of the whole point. Like you Mm -hmm. don't have to show up to God all fancy and make it this long formal thing. You're allowed to just sit in sadness and hysterically cry and talk to God through your, you know, Mm -hmm. through your tears. And you're allowed to just talk to God like he's your friend or your father. Like it's not this weird relationship that you need to have. You can literally just say whatever you can. You're allowed to sit there and say, God, I'm really mad at you right now. Like I'm pissed that this is happening why are you letting this happen? And I think in those moments when we let ourselves be vulnerable with God too, is where we're given the opportunity to also have more grace and more peace because we're opening ourselves Mm -hmm. up to it. And we're admitting that we can't do it all alone. And we're admitting that we can't do it all by ourselves. You know, that's, we are able to have even just like a, a higher sense of peace through it all or a higher sense of strength through the bad times. And it's like, I always think of it too. I love the analogy you just gave with the weightlifter. And I, I think something that helped me through what we went through too, was always just thinking of, thinking of Jesus on the cross. Yes, and when you, yeah. when you get tempted to think, well, who I went through all of these things already. Like I, sh- I've paid my dues. Like what you just said, I have same thoughts. And I'm sure a lot of girls listening probably have had those same kinds of thoughts. And I just think like, wow, Jesus, Jesus was on a cross. Mm-hmm. He, he was better, sure as heck better than I am. And he was not, you know, yeah. and he innocently did that. What did he do to deserve that? So who the hell am I to think that I'm going to escape this life unscathed when yeah. someone who didn't deserve any of it went through the worst of it? It's like, it's, yeah. it's immediately humbling. And I think immediately helps you kind of shift your perspective to be like, all right, it's not about me. Like this is, yeah, I'm not, not holier than thou. There's nothing that I'm too good for here. And like to make Jesus relatable, he was in the garden of Gethsemane, like freaking out, 
Yep. Knowing that he was that the knowing that it was going to end that way, literally sweating blood because he was so anxious and was like, I can't, I can't take this cup, take it away. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. God was like, I've called you to it. And he still showed up for his mission and his mission was pretty gruesome. So if my mission is just to share my story with people and to be vulnerable and to be patient, I can do it. You know, I'm like, listen, that's where I'll go back to the whole deserving idea. I don't deserve it. I don't. If he died so that I can have the freedom to fail and still have an opportunity to talk to God, then like, I will do anything. I will go through anything just to have that relationship. Choose me. Like here I am. And one of my favorites is Psalm 100. It's the Psalm of praise. And in the message version translation, it says the first few verses, um, says the password to his presence is thank you. So I think in those moments that we're like, God, where are you? I'm mad. I just want to talk to you. I want to vent. I want to be honest and real. He's like, you can get to me by saying thank you because I'm a good father. I want you to focus on the good and not because the bad, it doesn't hurt. He's not asking us to be fake, fake or inauthentic. He wants the real, but he also wants us to focus on the things that have worked out and not just dwell and ruminate on all of the hardship because it's that's not that doesn't have the last word so why are we giving it so much power in our life absolutely and i say that all the time on thrive too it's like really oftentimes the difference between surviving and thriving is your perspective because whether the glass is half full or half empty the volume inside is exactly the same and it's your choice if you're going to choose to call it half full or call it half empty and it's really just that Mm -hmm. simple shift of focusing on the good because no matter how crappy life can be sometimes, there is something <laughs> good. Even if it is that like, there's not a cloud in the sky today and I can appreciate a beautiful flower. Like that is yes. still good. Even though it's yes. <laughs> you want or that you think you want right now, but it is still present. And it's just noticing yeah. and calling that that is good. <laughs> so that you yeah. don't lose sight of that because that's just, and that's so hard in today's society, especially and all the stuff happening, but yeah, so important. Lisa Turker says it really well. She says, you steer where you stare. So Ooh, even when you're it. driving, if you're staring to the left, you'll steer subconsciously to the left. And if you are staring at something negative, you will become negative. So it's like, be like, like focus on eternity and it sounds so cheesy, but you'll steer that way too. Yeah. No, I love that. Speaking of changing perspectives. I saw a note on your Instagram the other day that I loved and I would love to have you share it with everyone here because it's a good one. You mentioned that having your sense of normal taken away with everything that's been happening lately with COVID-19 has really been a gift. And I know some mm-hmm. folks might jump at that, at the sound of that at first, because <laughs> it's like, yeah. <laughs> a gift. what the heck? But I think your reasoning was just so good. It ties into what we were just talking about and it's beautiful. So could you talk more about what you meant by that? Yes. Well, first things first, I just wanted to speak to the girl that's in the middle of it. Like I get you, whether coronavirus is over or not, by the time this comes out, I'm praying it is shoot. I'm praying it is. But listen, (laughs) if you are in the middle of anything, whether it's relevant to COVID-19 or not, like focus on the now. Like I, even with coronavirus and Thomas being gone, I'm so focused on like when it ended, like when Thomas came back home, all the things that I really felt like the Lord was like, no, you're missing it. Like I have you separated in this season on purpose. Like when are you ever going to get a chance to be at home for two months without a husband to be able to focus on you, your calling, your vision, your identity. No, 
you don't get that permission. That's not something people like, and I don't have children. So like I, it's literally me and my dog. And like, that's a gift also stinks. But again, like we're saying perspective, it's a gift. Um, and so in that moment to be like, okay, I'm not going to focus on May 22nd. I'm going to focus on today, May 7th. What is it today on May 7th that I can do that I can run? Like what race is it to finish? Um, which totally helped in having normal stripped away. Like I it was such a gift because I was able to focus on like, okay, what is it that's abnormal in this season that I won't get? What is it that's unique to here and today that is normal in this moment that won't be normal ever again? And so um, I know it sounds so crazy, but whether it's you're a workaholic and you've escaped family or issues or problems or your marriage by going to the office and that's not an option anymore, that's cool. Like you have an opportunity to reconcile inside your marriage. If it's you like me are like every, every time around the month that happens and you have your period again, you're like, Oh no. Like I have been able to really like distract myself with busyness, with coffee shops, with my workout studio and just like stay busy that I don't sit in that quiet spot and really just like grieve it. And so it's just been a, such a beautiful gift where things get stripped away and I can ask myself those hard questions because I don't have the crutch of busyness or distraction or normal. And, um, I, I yeah, and I just, I, like I shared on Instagram, I said, this is not God's plan C or plan B. He was like, no, this is how it was supposed to be the whole time. So take it as a gift or leave it. But like the gift will sit under the Christmas tree until you decide to open it or not. It just would stink if you never unwrapped it. I'm like, you're right. So this is me <laughs> being really uncomfortable, but unwrapping it yeah. because I want to see what's inside that box for me. And I would pray and hope that people listening and even you, Erica would be like, okay, what gift do I have? Like, have I opened it or not? Am I accepting it or not? And we all have that opportunity. Absolutely. And I totally relate to that too. And I want, I'm, I know it's also different for people who are experiencing hardship in this time. Like if it is financial because of their job, you know, like you and I are both obviously in a very blessed position of working from home normally. So at least our Mm -hmm. sources of income aren't too crazy. So it's like, it's like you want to pay, pay homage and respect to the people who are in that sort of hard time where they are probably hearing, Oh, a gift, like, dude, I would like to have a paycheck for my family. I feel that too. So it's one of those things where this might be similar I don't even want to say similar because that feels, it's not similar, but similar for the analogy to like yeah. your infertility journey in the sense of you've got this really hard thing in front of you and you have no mm-hmm. idea what the purpose is and you want more than anything for the cup to be taken away and you don't know how to fix it and you can't personally fix it. And all you can do is really just have faith that the good, that you see the good and that the good comes at the end of it and that you're not yeah. white dry in the process. So I almost feel like that's like an encouraging tie in there, hopefully for people where you might, it, it might feel very different in the yes. sense of they can't hear how we talk about, Oh, this is a gift because yeah. of what we're learning by ourselves at home. And they're going, dude, I would like my paycheck. It's, it's maybe it's just a different sort of cross that they're carrying right now and mm-hmm. everybody has a cross to carry at some point in life none of us will escape that like we said so yeah. it's the grass is always greener it's like totally. I would take losing a job if it meant that I could have a child <laughs> every day right now like if you could take my if we could trade just trade 
I want your ovaries. You can have my job. You know, I'm like, I just want, I want that. And, but that's not an option. And so where people say grass is always greener on the other side, I say, nope, the grass is greener where you water it. Yes. So if you keep focusing on how green your neighbor's grass is, you're just going to die. No, so really a mantra in my book. I believe in that. No way. So much. Yes, the grass <laughs> Put is your sprinklers green. out. Turn the hose on. Good grief. Yeah. Do the work. Pick the weeds. Show up. Don't just like drool over how beautiful the landscape is next door. You've got landscape too. It's just what are you going to do with it? I don't, I just like, yeah. So I could sit here and I could trade lives with you all day long, but that's not an option. So what are we going to do with what we got? And like you said, it's like that perspective is a choice and seeing, opening the gift is a choice. And it's like happiness is not just going to fall out of the sky and hit us on our heads. It's like, Mm -hmm. you've got to pursue it. You've got to, I love what you, I love that analogy about opening the gift because it's so true. It's like, it's going to sit there. It is there, but you have to take some sort of action on your hand. You can't make it all happen, but you can make something. And you've got to make that choice to do that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I love that. This is really such a season that we're in and we're definitely not what we're all used to as we're not in what we're used to as normal for sure. But like you said, we're in this process of, I think, creating new normals left and right. And it doesn't always have to be bad. So if if there's anyone out there listening to who's maybe just plain stuck in this season, maybe, Mm -hmm. and maybe they're not necessarily going through this immediate hard thing or carrying this heavy cross right now, but it's just this limbo feeling of being stuck. Mm. Maybe it's because of the pandemic. Maybe it's for some other reason entirely. What's your advice for getting unstuck? Yes. I, man, being stuck is just the worst, right? Because you're like, okay, listen, (laughs) I want to move through this way faster than life is allowing me to. I'm just ready to get over it. And sometimes that's just not an option. Sometimes it's more so about just being resilient, showing up, saying yes, like we're saying, watering your grass, all the things. And so I actually have like a little acronym for stuck that helps me in those moments. Cause I, I mean, when you do feel stuck, that's not the time to like rely on your emotions. Cause your emotions are going to be really all over the place, especially hello hormones. So you're <laughs> like, okay, let's come up. I came up with an acronym. that was kind of like my formula for how to handle this because I'm going to, I just, I, can't rely on my feelings. I need to have like a discipline set in place. So stuck S is share it. Like go to someone that you trust, go to the Lord, tell someone like, Hey, I feel really stuck right now. I'm really struggling because I would challenge you. Like what's hidden can't be healed. And then those lonely spots is a really dangerous place to be. Cause you can be convinced of some things when you don't have bumpers, like friends in your life to be like, that's great. No, don't believe that. That's not true. You know, the U is to understand or, or sorry, the T, the stuck, <laughs> S-T, Rachel. T is what's the truth. So like you might be li- believing a little T truth is what I call it, but there's a big T truth that you need to replace it with. And so really like focus on truth. You is understand how you feel. So once we know the truth, we can be like, okay, but I feel anxious, but I'm not anxious. Like I, in this moment, like I feel not very worthy, but I am worthy. Like replacing it is really important. C is being Christ centered. So like, what does it look like to like really focus on the Lord and giving him an opportunity to speak into our lives? Um, so in those moments, after we understand how we feel, be like, go back to him and be like, I feel so stuck. I really just need your help. I don't feel very like worth it. I feel misunderstood, ill-equipped, all the things. And then K is being kingdom minded. Like in a week, will it matter? 
like in a week, will you still be upset about this one thing? And you might be, and there's permission for that hundred percent, but let's have an eternal perspective and be like, what is it that he wants to do with the stickiness that I am right now? Like, what is he going to do with the season I'm in? Because it might be something my sister might be going through. It might be something that my friend's about to face in a month or two that I need to know how to walk her through and understand that it's just not like we're saying, it's not about you. Um, so that little acronym helps me when I identify I am stuck in a situation, I could be like, okay, but I, I can get out of it. And I won't say that you're going to feel hundred percent better afterwards. That's not the goal. The goal is not to feel better. The goal is to remind yourself that your emotions don't have the last say. So I'm not saying that everything's going to be perfect. Your situation is going to be worked out after walking through that. But I will say that it gives God an opportunity to speak into the situation when you might not have the words, um, when you might be going into the deep end with some thoughts that are spiraling that don't belong there. I love that little acronym you had. And it ties, <laughs> I have this in my book too. I always love to say feelings are not facts. And it's no. like, I, we all have been to that place of having mm-hmm. a deep spiral down into the pit of despair. And yeah. you can have not so nice thoughts when you're down mm-hmm. in that pit. Those not so nice thoughts are not reality. And they are not of the Lord. They are not good. Right. They are from Satan. Like right. you are attacked when you are low like that. So it's kind of one of those things where sometimes you just got to be your own best friend and pull yourself out of that because yeah. you need the reminder that like, that is not true. It ties all the way back to the very start of our conversation when we were talking about when you want to have a life partner and you want to get married and you have all these desires for your life. It's like you're you're just not, if you sit there and tell yourself that you're not lovable or you're not worthy or you're not these things, that's not going to help you get to the final destination. It's yeah. Help you feel good. And it's also not true. <laughs> so yeah. I always joke. I'm like the T in stuck is not Thomas. It's truth. And there's a reason for it. Like I'm not going to turn to Thomas be like, I mean, I will absolutely because I shared those emotions with him, but I'm not going to turn to him for my end all be all. Right. Who am I? Tell me who I am. Right you know, he definitely has a say so, but at the end of the day, like I'm a child of God, not Thomas's wife. Like that, that comes priority. And so I think just to get it straight, like get the priorities in order is helpful for me too. Totally. Okay. So I want to ask you this because you asked me this on behind the bliss and it was just so fun. Uh, what is something that you are loving that you have to share with listeners of thrive right now? gosh it's so funny when this question's returned to me because I I'm like oh shoot (laughs) balls in my court and I am don't know um okay two things that came to mind one is like anyone can get their hands on it I speaking of just like truth reminding ourselves of truth all the things um I love when I'm in a funk to put on worship music um and just like to play it on my Google all around the home because it just helps center this place, like the place where I, I physically am. I'm like, okay, now I want to invite something bigger and better here than my funkiness that I've invited in this house for a second. Um, and so I actually have a worship playlist. I can send you the link if you wanted it to, uh-huh. but um, it is like, I think it's like 86 hours now of worship. <laughs> you can just like have it. Yeah. There's like over 750 songs, like it, amazing. everything from instrumental to your faves that you've probably heard on the radio, just like everything. I just, 
And I've, I've been adding to it since like college. <laughs> I love that playlist. It's got, got me through a lot. Um, and then like the fun thing, like that's fun too, but I will say the like product I'm using the Anastasia eyebrow gel. Oh, I, there, used I've used her brow pencil and it's so okay. good, but I have not yet tried the gel. So I have to try it. The gel is fab. And I joke, I'm like, if I was stranded on an island and I could bring two things, it would be my eyebrow gel and my Bible. <laughs> like, that's who I am. That is Rachel in that brows. You have great brows. Totally. <gasps> Thanks. I'm like, I actually use it. I just have eyebrow gel blush and mascara on today. That's what you get, Erica. Hey, I mean, you look great. I know no one else oh, right now, but you look great, girl. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, eyebrow gel all the way. Love it. Okay, so now I'm going to ask you something that I ask all guests on Thrive, and that is, what does Thrive mean to you, and how do you strive to thrive in your own everyday life? Uh, brilliant question. <laughs> my eye, man, I have heard this so many times, so it's so neat that I'm on Thrive Podcast, but like, there's a difference between surviving and thriving, right? And like, thriving is living abundantly to me, like being able to dig out of a deeper well than I have access to. And that is to get preachy. I'm like, that's the spiritual well. That is having access to eternal resources that I have a key to. And so living a thriving life is using the key, like we're saying as a gift to unlock some really awesome gifts and resources and reminders that we have when we live an abundant life in Christ, like a John 10, 10 life is what I think of when people say the word thrive. And so for me, I just strive to thrive by myself every morning and digging into some truth, spending time with Jesus and just giving him the first of my day and being like, you know what? I don't know how this day is about to unfold. You do. So in the moments that I'm about to fall short, in the moments I need to be reminded of truth, like I just go ahead and invite you into those situations because I know it's going to happen because this is earth and <laughs> things like that happen all the time. So if that's how I strive to thrive in John 10, 10, a life to the full. Love it. Love it so much. All right. So where can people find you online? I am over on Insta at rachel.autry and then that's A-W-T-R-E-Y. And then on the podcast side, you can find me on your favorite podcast platforms at Behind the Bliss Podcast. We like to post sneak peeks and fun truth over there too on Instagram at Behind the Bliss Podcast. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you so much for hanging out on Thrive with me, Rachel. It's been so fun and such a thank you for having me this this is an honor i love talking about thriving and i've just loved getting to know you so to have me on your show is a treat for sure wait before you go if you like what you just listened to drop us five stars on itunes Make sure you're subscribed to never miss an episode of Thrive. And if you're on Instagram, snap a screenshot and share to your story with what episode you're tuning into and tag me at Erica Legenza with what part resonated with you the most. That way I can see what's helping you and your friends can pick up a helpful tidbit too. Thanks for tuning in. It's your time to thrive.